Amen, amen. Good morning, everybody. Turn with me, if you would, to 1 John. 1 John. All I have is Christ. Jesus is my life. What an amazing thing to declare. You know what's happening when we do that? We're just, we're just saying, without you, Lord, I'm nothing. <laughs> without you, Lord, I have no hope. And anything we're going to do in the Christian life that's going to be worthy is going to come from that place where it's just like, Lord, all I have is you. Amen. So let's come in that spirit together before the Lord as we get ready to get into his word. Father God, we thank you for the privilege of gathering to get into the word of God, to worship and sing songs of praise unto your name, to glory in the gospel, Lord, that rescues sinners, that takes people from darkness into your marvelous light. Lord, we thank you for um, the word of God, and we thank you that you speak and that we have an opportunity, Lord, to hear from you every time we open the Word of God, every time we read it, every time we get into the text of Scripture, Lord, we're getting into divine inspiration. We're getting into the words of God. We're getting into the breath of God coming on us. And Father, we just pray that you would do that now and that you would help me to move out of the way, Lord, that you would set a guard over the door of my mouth that I wouldn't sin against you, but Lord, that I'd be a vessel sanctified and useful for you in this moment. And Father, I pray for our hearts, Lord, whatever we've come in with today, wherever we're at, whatever we're struggling with, maybe we're caught in the middle of something pretty hard and difficult at this very juncture, this very hour. I pray that we would get encouragement. Maybe we're in the midst of some self-deception in our own hearts. And we just need to be liberated by the gospel of grace. And maybe we've forgotten the joy and the freedom of walking in the light of God. And Father, I pray that you would prepare our hearts today. That we would hear the message we need to hear. That you would tailor it for our souls right here and now. And we ask, Holy Spirit, come upon this moment and blow in Jesus' precious name. Amen. So I was thinking this week about what the greatest problem is that the church faces. You know, we, we might think that the greatest problem today is the political mess that has become our world in America, right? We might think the greatest problem in our day is the, the breakdown of sexual ethics and the LBGTQ movement and all the stuff that's being kind of piped through programming to sort of indoctrinate and completely confuse us when it comes to the issue of gender and sexuality and what is good and right and true. We might look at foreign uh, and, and, and foreign affairs and all the stuff going on overseas, wars, and the threat of a world war 
on our horizon, things bubbling up in the Middle East and getting to be like a powder keg? Is that the, the thing that's the most threatening thing in the church today? But I want to submit to you that the greatest problem we face in the church today, and especially the church in America, is worldliness. The greatest threat that we face is worldliness. And, and by that, I mean that when the church becomes so intoxicated with the world that it becomes comfortable with darkness and it becomes comfortable with traveling in the dark and it becomes comfortable that all the voices that the church has to speak into the areas that we just talked about when it comes to sexual ethics and when it comes to the right to the unborn and when it comes to all the things that are pressing in our day, if the church has compromised its walk and it begins to travel in the dark, then it's become totally neutralized. And even the message of the Gospel itself will ring hollow if it comes from a lip, the lips of people who have compromised their hearts in this day and age. You know, it was 50 years ago or so that Billy Graham preached a sermon and he said, he called it, America, the handwriting is on the wall. Right? That was 50 years ago. And he was calling the nation back from depravity and he was calling the church back from corruption and compromise. And I wonder how more true it is today in the day in which we live. When you could no longer tell the difference between the church and the world, something's gone horribly wrong, right? And I'm speaking of the church broadly in America, but I'm also speaking of it close to home where we're at, right? In the Bible Belt. When you can't tell the difference between the church and the world, something has gone horribly wrong. When you can have one out of every two men addicted to internet pornography within the church, something has gone horribly wrong. And if that is the case, how can the church stand as a clarion call to speak to the pressing issues of sexual morality and sexual ethics and gender confusion in our day and age, right? If the church becomes comfortable with cohabitation, if the church becomes comfortable with fornication, if the church becomes comfortable and says, oh, we're living in a modern world, and I guess... These rules, these precepts, the design of God for human flourishing, I guess we need to redial that, retool that, because we're living in a different day. And these truths of Scripture have become outmoded. Do you see how easy it is for, for the modern age to begin to encroach on the truths, the, the, the age-old, tried-and-true truths of the Bible 
that are true whether people believe them or not. They're true because they're true, because they come from God, because they're in the inspired Word of God. And so when the church becomes compromised, it cannot stand up in a world filled with darkness. When the church becomes compromised, it cannot be a witness in a dark day in which we live. Now, we're stepping into 1 John for a moment this week. This is just a one-off sermon. And I would love to say a whole lot more about the, the, the letter of 1 John. But I'll just say to you today that John was writing to a church that was living in a confused day. John was writing to a church. The Apostle John was writing to a church that had been infiltrated by false teachers who were distorting the teaching of God around the gospel and it, what it means to live the Christian life and what it means to live as children of the light in the world and even how to deal with one's sin. And the reason it matters why the church has to know how to deal with compromise is because when we live in darkness and we say we're children of the light, there's a bondage that comes on the church. There's a slavery that comes in your life. And so John is going to speak to false teachers and false teaching in the church that said, you know what? You can be a Christian. You can name the name of Jesus but you can live in darkness. After all, you've been forgiven. It doesn't matter how you live. So he was dealing with those who promoted licentiousness on one side. And then on the other side, he was dealing with false teachers who said, you know what? We have arrived. We've come to the place of spiritual maturity. We've, we've realized the secrets of the deep things of God, and we've arrived and we no longer deal with sin. We no longer struggle with sin at all. And so there's two ways to fall off the horse in the Christian life. You can either deny sin altogether, or you can go buck wild and not care. And John is going to chart a course of the third way which is the biblical way, which is to live in the freedom of walking in the light, the light of the cross. So as we come to 1 John, we're going to start in verse 5 of chapter 1. And I want us to really lay hold of this, okay? I've set the context so you kind of know what John's dealing with. Now listen to what he has to say. This is a word to all of us, right? Wherever you're struggling, whatever you come in with, this is God's word. It speaks to us. The words we need to hear. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaim to you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, 
we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, cleanses us from all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. And if we say we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. Chapter two, look at verse one. This is the affectionate pastor John talking to us. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. He is the propitiation for our sins and not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. And with that, we get a picture. We get a blueprint for Christian living. We get a blueprint for living in the freedom of the light of God. And there's nothing more free. What I want to argue today is there's nothing more freeing for any of us in here who name the name of Jesus than to walk in the light. Right? Holiness matters. Christian living matters. And also to know what you, what, know what you need to do when you blow it in the Christian life. Because you will fail. You will struggle with sin. But there's a great difference between struggling with sin and walking in darkness habitually. And that's the reality that I want us to think about today. So the first point we're going to see in this text is we got a message, right? John starts with the message. He starts with the message of the Bible. He starts with the great message of God. It's the message of Christ. It's the message that Jesus brought into the world. That God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. Do you see it there in verse 5? This is the message we've heard from Him and proclaim to you. That God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. In other words, this is what John's saying. John's like, listen, we were there. When Jesus walked the earth, we got this message from him. This is the age old message of the gospel. This is the one we got from the one who came in the flesh, the one who manifested life in the flesh, the one who provides eternal life and salvation and rescue from sins. And this is the message he gave us. God is light and in him is no darkness at all. And Brothers and sisters, we have failed in the church largely to recover the message of God is light and in him is no darkness at all. We serve a God who's utterly light and he doesn't have a shred of darkness in him. He can be absolutely trusted. He's good. He's holy. He reveals truth to us. And this was the message that was given from the beginning about the identity of God and the identity of King Jesus when he walked among the disciples. What did he say in John chapter 8 and verse 12? 
But he spoke to the disciples and to the people who were listening. And he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That's what he's been saying from the beginning. And sometimes we hear messages like this and we feel like our, we feel a sense of trepidation before this God who's utterly truthful when often our lives are filled with lies. Of this God who's utterly good when often our lives have the ebb and flow of a lack of goodness. Of this God who's utterly trustworthy when we often fail to speak the truth in love. So from the start, Jesus declares that He's the light of the world. And that's what we need to understand. And the first thing it means that He's light is that He reveals stuff, right? He reveals stuff with absolute clarity. There's, there's a revelatory reality in the very nature of God. This is God who is light, right? John will say later in his letter that God is love. It's the essence of God to be love. But it is also the essence of God to be revealing light. And we talked about weeks ago, the woman at the well, and she was told by Jesus that God is spirit. But here we see that God is light. He's the climax of revelation in the person of Jesus Christ. He's the supreme revelation of God. You want to know what you need to know absolutely as a human being living on planet Earth? You need to know that God is light and He has revealed Himself in Jesus Christ who is the light of the world. And that's what the author of Hebrews says in the very first verse of the book of Hebrews. He says, long ago, at many times and in many ways, God spoke to us or to our fathers by the prophets. But in these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed the heir of all things, through whom he created the world. And he, meaning Jesus, is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of his nature. And he upholds the universe by the word of his power. And after making purifications for sins, because he went to the cross, he sat down at the right hand of the majesty on high. This is the light of the world. This is Jesus. This is what you absolutely need to know to deal in a world filled with darkness and to deal with your own darkness as a Christian. And as a non-Christian, we need to be confronted with this reality of who God is. Because part and parcel of the good news is that God is revealing light. And so John is reminding the church of this very message. He's reminding the church. He's reminding you and I. He's reminding us of what we need to know most about who God is 
in order to help us live a different way. Jesus is the way, the truth, and the life. And the only way to get to God is through Him. But the second thing we see about what it means for God to be light is that there's no sin in Him. There's no moral blemish. There's no stain of evil. God is utterly holy and utterly good, and there's no wickedness in Him at all. And we really struggle sometimes to get a whiff of this because what happens when you get in the presence of utter holiness and utter goodness and utter glory and utter majesty and greatness is you begin to see your own failure. You begin to see your own moral blemish. You begin to see your own evil. You begin to see your own need. And that's what light does. It exposes What's in darkness? And is that not what Jesus told Nicodemus in John chapter 3, if you remember? John 3.19, it says, And this is the judgment. This is Jesus saying, The light has come into the world, and people love the darkness rather than the light because their works were evil. For everyone who does wicked things hates the light and does not come to the light, lest his works should be exposed. So think of the holiness of God and the holiness of Jesus as a giant spotlight. I used to love watching cops when I was growing up because you would have the cops and they would be in hot pursuit of some criminal or suspect or whatever. And when they really wanted to get the big guns out, right, and somebody was running around the neighborhood after committing a crime, they would get the helicopter up, right? That helicopter would be like flying around, and all of a sudden you'd see that spotlight just start shining down. And you'd see the, the little you know criminal running through the shadows, and all of a sudden the light would pop on him, and he'd be like, whoa, whoa, and he'd be running away. He didn't want to be in that light. Beloved, that's God's holiness. That's God's light. That's who God is. He reveals, He exposes, He shows us. Not so we can be a criminal fleeing into the darkness, but so we can come to the light and deal with our true heart before God. Deal with our true need. It's His very nature to expose us in His holiness. And perhaps God is shining a spotlight on something in your life right now. Maybe there's something the Spirit of God has been putting his finger on saying, I want to deal in that area. I want to help you see. I want to give you clarity. I want to help you come to that Isaiah the prophet moment when Isaiah gets this vision of the glory of God and the holiness of God filling the temple. And it says that the train of the robe of God filled the temple with glory and holiness and utter majesty. And Isaiah cries out. And he says, woe is me. For I am lost. For I'm a man of unclean lips. And I dwell in the midst of a people of unclean lips. For my eyes have seen the King, the Lord of hosts. Holy, holy, 
Holy is the Lord God Almighty. And when we stand before the holiness of God, we tremble. Have you ever come to that place where you stood before God utterly exposed, utterly laid bare? Your soul was just, it was just outed, right? You, 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 you ultimately knew you were guilty. You came to that place where the, 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 the penetrating gaze of God was heavy on you and you knew you were on the run and you knew you were living in darkness and you knew I need rescue. I need to be cleansed. Isaiah was just so aware of that. The very next image we see is of this angel taking uh, a tongs and getting a live coal representing the purifying power of God's grace and coming and touching the lips of Isaiah as if to purify him. And then Isaiah gets called because the Lord is looking to and fro over the whole earth. Who will go for me? Who shall I send? And Isaiah says, send me, Lord. But he had to come to that place before the holiness of God to find out what he was really like. Have you come to that place? Even as a Christian, we need to be brought back to that place every so often. Staggered by the, by the utter majesty, beauty, holiness, goodness, greatness, grandeur of God. Have you ever been undone by it? If you're a Christian, truly born again, you've come to that place. And you can recall that reality. So we see the message is that we must recognize God is light and in Him is no darkness at all. But the second thing we see in this passage is there's a lie, right? There's a lie of walking in darkness. How is it that some people say that they love God and they know God, but they habitually walk in the darkness? Now, I'm not talking about struggling with sin. I'm talking about totally giving in to sin, totally giving in to a lifestyle, totally giving in to darkness. Look at verse six. This is not my opinion. This is the word of God, right? If we say we have fellowship with him, with God, with Christ, while we walk in darkness, we lie and we do not practice the truth. So what's happening is there's people in the church in the first century that John is talking about. And he's saying these people are claiming to have communion with God and they're living in utter carnality. They're, they're claiming to worship God with their lips, but they deny God with their lives. They've become intoxicated with worldliness. They've been intoxicated with darkness. Is it any wonder that Jesus said to the Pharisees in the Gospel of Mark, Well did Isaiah prophesy of you hypocrites, 
As it is written. Now, they were some of the most spiritual people, right? So-called. This people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. In vain do they worship me, teaching as doctrines the commandments of men. You see, the Pharisees were nursing all sorts of secret sins, all sorts of secret addictions, all sorts of secret stuff out of the gaze of God, done in the dark, while professing to be in the light, while putting on a good show of it. And that's the lie that the Apostle John is trying to expose. I can remember back when I was studying at the seminary in Louisville. And I went to a restaurant. It was one of my favorite restaurants, Jay Gumbo's. And I would always get a little bit of gumbo, you know. And so one day I'm in the restaurant and this guy sees me reading my Bible and, and sparks up a conversation with me. And, and the first thing when he finds out I was a pastor is he, he's like, oh, I'm really spiritual, you know. And he tells me about, his, you know, how he has a great relationship with God. And within seconds of saying that, he began to tell me that he was living with his girlfriend and that he was very open in his relationship of just living in sexual immorality. He was very, he's fine with that. He's got a great relationship with God, but he's going to sleep with his girlfriend every day and live with her. And then he said, you know, I've been doing good. I've been cutting down on smoking weed and, and it's, it's been, you know, like it's been better. I've been progressing, you know, I've been working on myself. And all of a sudden, like, it's just very apparent this dude doesn't know Jesus at all, right? But he thinks he does. He's exactly what John is talking about here. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. So I took him to that text and I, I told him, it, it seems like you've become very comfortable walking in darkness. This is what God has to say about it. And I'll never forget what he said to me. <laughs> I'll, I'll never forget. He said, he said, well, I guess I'm just a liar. <laughs> I was like, I was like, yes, you, that's true. You know, I'm not, never. If somebody's going to admit their sin, you know, move out of the way. Let them do that because that's good. That's the first step towards getting some help. Right. And I told him, if you walk in darkness like that, you, you know you're walking in darkness. You know it's not right. You know what you're doing is wrong. You can't claim to know God and live that way. That's what John is saying in this passage. And it's so liberating because true Christianity knows how to deal with heart darkness without living in the darkness, right? It knows how to deal with sin because we have a great Savior. And true Christianity is able to admit, right? True, true Christians are able to admit their sins and not act like, well, sin doesn't matter at all on the one hand or act like they've arrived and it's like, oh, you know, I got a little halo around my head now. I mean, move over, Jesus. I got this salvation thing all on my own. Right? That's not the gospel. So perhaps some of you are in here today and you've just gotten comfortable dealing in the dark. You've got comfortable walking in the dark while you have professions 
that you're in the light. And maybe the Lord is speaking to you today. Perhaps there's some in here who are nursing an addiction to internet pornography. Perhaps there's some in here who are trying to relieve the pressures of life by cutting themselves. Perhaps there's some in here who are traveling in the dark. Perhaps there's some in here who are coming to Bible studies, yet their hearts are filled with gossip and they can't wait to do that. Perhaps there are some in here who have been self-medicating, taking pills, doing all sorts of things in the name. I'm following Jesus, but I got to help myself out a little bit, right? I'm not talking about prescribed medication. I'm talking about you are turning to the idol of drugs to deal with life. That's walking in darkness. That's what John was talking about. That's what John is careful to help the church understand. And he wants to fan your flame for the love of God. And he wants to help us see like what a false kind of Christianity looks like. And then stick with me if you're, if you're still kind of like, okay, well, well, is there any joy in Christianity? I mean, you cut out all that stuff. And where's my joy? No, no, you get real joy. That's just like temporary pleasure. Don't settle for mud pies in the slum when God has a glorious vacation with you, for you, planned. He's got purposes for you. He's got real rest. And sometimes we settle for so little. John just wants to put his finger on Christian hypocrisy and bring us back to true Christianity. That's what he wanted to do with the first century church. And he was the pastor. Right? And look at these lies that he's helping us untangle. Verse 8. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. What's John saying? He's saying there's people actually who are saying they're Christians and they're saying, I don't sin anymore. Like, I just don't sin. Right? But wives could be elbowing their husbands like, come on now. Right? I'm sure John said, let me ask your wife about that to the husbands. And to the, to, to the wives, let me ask your husband. And to the children, let me ask your parents about that. And the truth of our sin becomes very clear. But perhaps, you know, for us in this church at Smithfield, we don't have a temptation to say, you know, we're, we're, we're well taught. We understand we're sinners. But maybe what we do instead of denying sin altogether is begin to kind of minimize sin, right? It's kind of like the famous uh, politician trick you know mistakes were made we don't know who made them but there were mistakes that were made right like well no you made the mistake and we call that lying and we call that sin right john is reorienting the church back to what it means to really confess sin and live for god really come to the light come and live in the light of integrity before god verse 10 gives us another Example of this. 
If we say we have not sinned, now we're calling God a liar. We make Him a liar and His Word is not in us because God said all has sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. There is none who are good. No, not one. Romans 3. All have gone astray. Like sheep, we have turned to, the, to our own way. So if God has said that about all of us, that's every one of us in this room and every one of us listening online, then when we say we really don't sin, I mean, those are, those are peccadilloes of my personality. I'm rough around the edges. Maybe you're grumpy, right? Maybe you're curmudgeon. Maybe you're difficult to be around. Maybe you've grown so hard and so cynical and so exacting that you begin to call personality traits or sin personality traits. Well, no, you've just gotten hardened. You've gotten desensitized to your sin. You've got desensitized to how you come off to people. You got desensitized. You begin to deny, minimize, shape things. You got your inner lawyer telling you like, oh, it's all good. But listen, this text silences our inner lawyer, and we're going to get to it, but we got a much better lawyer in Jesus. We got a perfect lawyer. We got a righteous lawyer. That's what chapter 2, verse 1 says. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. That's the one I want standing at my side when I'm broken in some sin or when I've, when I've identified, when I'm examining my heart, when I'm coming before the presence of God, when I'm getting the Word in my heart and God's beginning to do work in my soul and I'm growing. Beloved, we can stay infants when we don't walk the path of Christian living that leads us to ongoing confession of sin. And ongoing honesty in the Gospel. And being real. There's freedom there. And that's the next thing we see. There's a freedom in this text of walking in the light. Look at verse 7. But if we walk in the light as He is in the light, we have fellowship with one another and the blood of Jesus His Son cleanses us from all sin. So far from the destructive paths of self-deception and, 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 and shady sort of covering up our sins, it, we walk in the light as children of the light. It means you're an open book before God. He knows it all anyways. Right? You have a, a, a prayer life. You're in confession of sin. You're, you're, you're real. The, I've said this many times. As your pastor, the Christian can be the most real person on the planet because he's been forgiven by God. She's been forgiven by God. And because of that, you can be honest about your faults. You can be honest about your sins. You don't have to minimize. You don't have to shade it. You don't have to put, put a, you know, kind of a basket, clean yourself up and be like, okay, this is the version I'm going to let everybody see on Facebook. This is the version I'm going to let everybody see on Snapchat. But I'm not going to walk in the light and let everybody know what I'm like. No, Christians have a freedom. And notice what we see in the text here. As you walk in the light... Two things happened. 
You get fellowship, community with one another, because true fellowship, true community is being real and authentic and living inside that gospel space, knowing you're forgiven in Christ and knowing that you can actually be honest and prayer meetings could kind of look like, hey, I'm struggling with this today. I've, I've noticed a pattern of sin in my life and I just need prayer for that. Or Bible studies where you can be like, yeah, I need to work on, like, this, this is an area that I'm being challenged in. Would you hold me accountable to that? That's walking in the light. All this stuff where we come to church and we airbrush this thing and try to make it all look great. That's hypocrisy and that's not attractive to the world. They already got lies and hypocrisy. We want the genuine McCoy. We want real Christianity. We want to walk in the light as He is in the light. And then we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus Christ cleanses us from all sin. That's the second thing we see. There's the blood of Jesus cleansing me. As I walk in that honesty, as I walk in that integrity, as I walk in that life. I mean, what does it mean for somebody to actually become a Christian? 1 Peter 2.9 But you're a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for His own possession, that you may proclaim the excellencies of Him who called you out of darkness into His marvelous light. You're called into the light, not to go back in the darkness, but to keep walking in the light. And that doesn't mean perfection. It means honest, authentic Christian living before the face of God and before your brothers and sisters. And you grow in Jesus. And in 2024, by the end of it, you're a different person. You're more like Jesus than you were in 2023. Y'all feeling that? Like, that's Christianity. This other airbrush thing, this other, you know, sort of Facebook version of Christianity is not real. It's the lies that John is speaking to. I don't got sin, you know, or, 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 you know what? I guess it doesn't really matter how we live. I mean, Jesus forgives me. Jesus loves me. This I know. So I'm going to go live any way I want. Well, you're lying to yourself. You're lying to yourself about who you really are. And you probably aren't even a Christian at all if you think that. Okay, so we're just, we're just going to keep going because this is too good. All right, fourth thing. What do you do <laughs> to, to walk in the light when you blow it? What do you do to walk in the light if you blow it? You got to get honest before the cross. You got to get honest before the cross of Christ. You got to get honest with God. And that's the last two verses. And verse 9. So we'll read verse 9 first, okay? If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So confessing your sin before God, getting real before God, getting honest with God, means that you agree with God when you've done something wrong. So when your brother or sister or your mom, or your dad, or your spouse talk to you 
about maybe something you said or did and you know you're wrong, you don't get your inner lawyer out and be like, that's not me. If you've never said you're sorry in your relationship with your wife or your husband, something's terribly wrong in your soul, right? And you're not living in light of the cross of Christ. If you don't agree with God about what you do wrong, then you can't get the freedom and the cleansing that comes with the cross. I mean, do you see it there? If we confess, if we agree with God about our sins, if we get real, he's faithful, God's faithful, and he's just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. How can he be faithful and just to do it? Somebody had to go to the cross, beloved. Somebody had to pay for that sin. Somebody had to die for you. That's what Christianity, that's the heart of the gospel. That's the reality of the cross. Just briefly, look at it in verse 1 and verse 2. But if anyone does sin, this is how you walk in the light. If anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father. And that means you got a lawyer. You got somebody who comes alongside you. You got an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ the righteous. You got somebody who's really righteous standing at your side, pleading his blood before the Father because he went to the cross to bear the wrath you and I deserve. Because one day judgment is coming for the people of this planet. One day is judgment is coming, and if you are not in Christ, you will experience that judgment on the last day. And even now, you have your own personal hell because it's miserable to be apart from God. Look what it says in verse 2 about this advocate with the Father who's Jesus Christ the righteous. He is the propitiation or the wrath-bearing substitute, the atoning sacrifice for our sins. And not for ours only, but also for the sins of the whole world. That means Jews and Gentiles. That means all kinds of people from every tribe, tongue, and nation who name the name of Jesus and come to Jesus and confess their sin and get real with God can actually know wholeness and forgiveness and redemption and cleansing. That's what it means to walk in light of the cross. You've come to Jesus and you keep coming to Jesus for rescue. You keep coming to Jesus for forgiveness. You keep Keep coming to Jesus for spiritual growth. But perhaps you're in here today and you got none of that. The gospel is for you as well. But you have to start by getting honest with God for once. You've got to start by really acknowledging your sin. Putting your trust in the one who can rescue you, and that's Jesus. There's power. There's cleansing power in the blood of Christ. And listen, you're miserable without it. You're going to try to self-medicate. You're going to try to go to escapes. You're going to try to do everything else to not see it. And you feel so guilty and you feel so awful and you feel so ashamed and you feel so dirty and defiled. And Jesus wants to clean you up. and You've got to come. So in a minute right now, we're going to pray. 
And you have an opportunity to come to Christ. Come as you are. Come because He loves you. Come because there's freedom living in the light of the cross. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank You for the Word of God. We thank You for this message. We thank You for uh, an opportunity to really get honest and real and get our hearts right with You. And Father, I just pray if You're moving in hearts, Lord, that You would just be drawing them right now to Yourself. And that there'd be an honesty going on in the soul. And if the Lord's speaking to you right now, I just want you to raise your hand in the air if you want to just acknowledge, I need forgiveness. I need cleansing. I need the freedom that you're talking about. Just raise your hand. And I'd like to pray for you. Anybody. Be honest with God. If you keep living in lies, it's not going to help anything. You'll be miserable. But God loves you. Come. You got to confess something. You got to bring something into the light. You come. Father, we ask that you would be moving in this moment, drawing people to yourself. We need you. We need your grace. And we need your favor. In Jesus' name, amen.